Welcome everyone, welcome. My name's Deborah Lennis. I'm a very, 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 very proud durable woman. A local elder. I'm also the cultural advisor at Inner West Council. These podcasts are about history and learning where you live, what you can do. And as I often say, Australia has, yes, a very black history, but there is no white history. What we have is a shared history. So, on behalf of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples of the Eora Nation, I'd like to say, Birrawagal, Naninya, Birrawagal, welcome, everyone, welcome. Sydney, capital of New South Wales. Sydney's story is full of unique things. Building a bridge in Sydney, over a harbour too. Famous things. And overlooking the famous harbour, Sydney Opera House. Iconic things. One of Australia's most iconic landmarks, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Tall things. Sydney Tower, the instantly recognisable soaring symbol has changed names. Oh, I remember this. I know a place. Hang on a minute. Why does the harbour hog all the icons? This is Inner West Icons, the other side of Sydney. I'm Bernie Hobbs, long-time long time Inner Westie. Come with me to the Inner West, Gadigal Wongal country. New York has the High Line. Seoul has Chong Gye Chong. Sydney has the Greenway. 5.8 kilometre long green space that runs right through the guts of the inner west. In this episode, you'll find out how people, and not the government, came up with the idea. The community cottoned on to this 20 years before the government. And how people power won out. We've not lost this greenway. This is just yeah. the beginning. With the help of a special hat. We used to wear it when we did stores how people use the Greenway. My favourite place to skateboard. And why it's good for us. It's like a rural getaway. Here's the first tree. This one here? Yes. What sort of a tree is that, Claire? Teratoconus, eucalyptus teratoconus. Claire Felton is looking up at trees she planted 50 years ago. The first trees went in about 74. Back in the 70s, in cities all over the world, people were clawing back the concrete jungles around them. It's very tall and it's got a very straight up and down habit. In the first record of urban guerrilla gardening in 1973 in New York, a group called the Green Gorillas transformed a derelict private lot into a garden. My name's Joe Blackman, I'm with the Inner West Environment Group, IWIG, and I'm strolling down the Greenway today at Gladigal Reserve with Claire Felton. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. <laughs> she was one of the first people to plant down here and to see the potential for the site and to have the vision of the bike path linking Summer Hill and Parramatta Road. In Sydney's Inner West, it was Claire and other volunteers who'd meet up, weed and plant neglected public land. The local council got on board too. See that one? That is a whopper. It must be 30 metres, I imagine, at least. Yes. 
Amplifolia. Cabbage gum. It has that wonderful grey bark, smooth bark. It's in the right place there. That holds the bank together. And, and then it spreads out at the top, so the branches are actually spreading out over the canal, and it's just beautiful. The canal that Joe Blackman's talking about is Hawthorne Canal. You'll hear it mentioned a lot in this episode because it's the waterway that the Greenway follows. So green and all the trees have grown up and I love it down here now. In the 70s and 80s, the Inner West looked and felt pretty different. People would say, oh, but Summerhill was all such an exclusive area. It wasn't. Some parts were rough. People used to say, if you've got your car stolen, it'll turn up in Marrickville. Well, they were still on flagons in those days, instead of casks. And this whole bank was slathered with broken glass. In 1989, the police were contacted, not for the first time, about the obvious criminal presence in the area where Claire and volunteers were planting at Catacall Reserve in Summer Hill. The police were told about incidents like a medium-sized business safe being dropped over the fence, shooting at train drivers, and yet more arson. The bush carers weren't put off. They just kept weeding and planting. And Claire still does. Yeah, I'm slowing down now, of course. Though she didn't know it at the time, Claire Felton had started the Greenway. So the Greenway wasn't always called the Greenway and people certainly didn't flock to it like they do now. It was a bit of weed heaven, really. Yeah. And it just wasn't on the map. It was the canal where kind of strange things happen at night. That's Nick Chapman. He's been involved in the Greenway for over 20 years. Nick says around 1998-99, two community groups stepped up with a vision to transform this creepy canal into something people and wildlife would use. The only thing was, the two groups wanted different things. One group was all about cycling, and they were saying this corridor is a fantastic missing link in Sydney's cycle network. And the other group was really interested in the Greenway as an urban bush corridor. They didn't really care about cycling. There were a couple of people who were as into bush care as they were into cycling one of whom is a guy called Bruce Ashley. There was a very visionary group headed by Bruce Ashley. Friends of the Greenway member, Jennifer Kent. Who thought, why not connect two bike paths, one along the Cooks River and one around the Iron Cove. And part of the bike path had already been established. And he thought if we could connect it, it wasn't just going to be an active transport corridor, it was going to have green open space and bush care sites along it. And the Greenway is it's what its name means. There's a green way for active transport. Now, I'd be brutally honest, I can't ride a bike. But as a school psychologist, I also wanted to encourage children to be a bit more independent, get out of their parents' car, to travel to and from school and to and from their sporting fixtures. And the Greenway has about 23 schools along its corridor. So it is a narrow, fairly narrow corridor, 
but it has a lot of community facilities along it. And it's connecting those with a green vision, not just a concrete shared cycle and pedestrian pathway. The Greenway is on Gadigal Wongal country. Deborah Lennis is the cultural advisor for Inner West Council. The significance about this area down here is it is along a canal. Water was very important to Mob, the Aboriginal community, so we'd often have, you can find there's midden sites down along here, there's places of rest. The Gadigal-Wongal Wayfinding Public Artworks interpret Aboriginal history and culture. Here's artist Black Douglas talking about his artwork on the Greenway, Gaddy the Klansman. From the outset, it was always important to make a dedicated acknowledgement to the main totem of the Gadigal, which is the grass tree. I wanted to memorialise that, given that we seem to lack memorials for Indigenous culture en masse. And now we have the first dedicated memorial in a sculptural form to the Gadigal. It seemed the most appropriate place to make an inner west acknowledgement, really. The history of the Wongal being Ashfield particularly, and the Gadigal this being a bit of a border for those two nations. And these pieces here really do pay a reflection to the stature of the Gadigal men in particular, the grass tree stalk being used for fishing spears. So the Greenway follows a concrete canal which used to be Long Cove Creek. And this would have been a area of mangroves and salt marsh. Meet botanist and author Doug Benson. Blending then into casuarinas as we have seen growing here. As we go further up the creek we get to the railway uh, where the uh, railway crosses uh, and Parramatta Road crosses. That would have been about as far as the mangroves and the salt marsh went. From there there would have been a, a creek with um, freshwater vegetation and the hillsides all around Summer Hill there to Haberfield and so on would have had shale soils on them uh, and it forms really nice fertile landscape. Back in the day, people were totally okay with dumping sewage and factory waste into natural waterways. Author Mark Supolch says that by the 1930s, Long Cove Creek was stagnant, smelly and polluted with sewage and runoff from nearby industry. The engineering solution? A straight line engineering construction to drain the new suburbs of Haberfield that were developed in the early 20th century. Even Today, just coming up here, and I looked in the Long Cove Creek here, and on the sandstone banks, there are um, patches or little plants of salt marsh growing there, just waiting for a creative bit of environmental redevelopment here to improve the banks and turn it back into Long Cove Creek. Botanist Doug Benson. You can download his book on the vegetation of the Cooks River Valley. There's a link in the show notes for this episode. When you've got a multi-purpose corridor like the Greenway, you're bound to encounter conflict um, because in many respects, it's kind of contested open space. And, and of course, one of the underlying features of that is land is so expensive in the inner west. 
So if you dedicate it to open space, then you've got to think very carefully about how you then divvy up that open space to satisfy the needs of the community, which are quite diverse. So for something like the Greenway, you've got cyclists, you've got dog walkers, you've got people going for a Sunday afternoon stroll, you've got kids on bikes, you've got Greenway volunteers doing bush care. Probably the two kind of typical conflicts that come to mind is cyclists versus off-leash dog walkers and dog walkers versus bush carers. Obviously, if somebody's bowling along on a bike and somebody else is letting their dog go for a run, you can quite often find yourself kind of in a situation where there's a collision waiting to happen. And of course, the cyclist considers it his or her right to have access to that footpath. And the dog walker shakes their fists and says, you know, there's so few places where I can give my dog a run. And I guess probably the, the second and most contested one has been kind of cyclists and walkers and dog walkers versus the bush care community. Because we've got this thin green corridor and the community first recognised 20 years ago its value as an urban wildlife corridor and they started establishing these bush care sites and they wanted to put fences around them. Uh, the reason for that is because if you're trying to attract uh, lizards and, and native birds to this bush care site, the last thing you want is somebody's uh, Alsatian kind of charging through. So you kind of got that population and recreational pressure bearing down on you. But what you've also got is an attempt to try and sort of reserve some of it for native vegetation and wildlife, which is actually fundamental to what the Greenway is all about. The first 10 years was about us knocking on doors. We started with the council doors. We gradually got the councils, because there were four of them that we had to deal with. So it was like up Marrickville. Ashfield and uh, a little bit of Canterbury down on the Cooks River. Understanding that there was this thing called the Greenway and there was some community groups who had ambitions, you know, to make it a better place. And that touched a chord with a lot of the strategies that the councils were developing at the time, which is all about placemaking and livability and getting people out of cars and on foot and bikes and all that sort of thing. In August 2001, all four local councils and the bicycle and bush care groups voted unanimously to support the Greenway as a concept at Summerhill Community Centre. Unanimous. When does that ever happen? Today, live more of your life. Be in it, yeah. The following month, the bush carers even put on a social event called Cross Pollination. Get it? As Nick Chapman says... That first 10 years was really successful. Yep, a lot of stuff happened. For a start, people kept doing what they were doing, like bush care volunteers Joe Blackman and Jeff Pollard. They're members of IWEG, the Inner West Environment Group. When we took on the site, it was, had blackberry and, and lots of horrible weeds in there. We've managed to at least control those. We built a frog pond in the middle part of it as well. Now, we've got this far, and I haven't explained exactly what bush care is. It's just about planting natives and uh, getting rid of weeds, really, creating habitat, as well as trying to bring 
back the original ecology. We can't um, make it exactly what it is, of course, but, you know, try and uh, bring back plants that will do well here. In 2007, a bush carer made an exciting wildlife discovery. Bruce Ashley, remember him? He found a rare long-nosed bandicoot in the Greenway for the first time in half a century. And on the project management side of things, a Greenway master plan was written and adopted by the four local councils. For the first time, the Greenway had a budget and staff. Here's Nick Chapman. That then meant that we could start working towards establishing and resourcing it properly. And like the Greenway itself, the path forward was not always smooth. We were lobbying away for government support. And if you're going to get political support, you need a message which resonates with the broader community. Most people wouldn't know a native plant if they trod on it. And very few people would get on a bike in Sydney because it's too dangerous. So that's kind of where the Greenway Arts and Culture Program came from and also the schools program. So I started with our school, Kegworth Public School, and started taking classes for a Greenway local history and environment walk. Up until then, most schools' idea of environmental education was you go on a bus to the Royal National Park for the day, you have a little bush walk, you try some bush food, you get a talk from one of those nice rangers, then you get back in the bus and by the time you got back to school you've forgotten all about it. The idea of the Greenway walks with the schools up and down the Greenway was very different. We talked about everything and observed everything from kind of stormwater and ecology to, you know, the bugs that live in leaf litter, planes, dog poo. Always talked about dog poo because it's the inner west. All of that we talked about and that grew into the Greenway Primary School's sustainability education program. It's 2011. A lot has changed. It's not the creepy canal anymore. People know the Greenway. There's kids, there's art, there's bikes. There's tours of art on bikes with kids. But here's the thing. It's not finished. Remember Claire Felton from the start? Here's the first tree. She planted the first trees in Cattagall Reserve in Summer Hill, back when it was full of broken glass. And while Claire's trees have grown, the Greenway has not. The Greenway vision is a continuous bush and active transport corridor from Iron Cove to Cooks River. But at the southern end, where Claire's trees are, there are massive roads in the way, like Parramatta Road. And let me tell you, Parramatta Road is not green. Then, something that everyone had been hoping for. In 2010, in the sort of the dying days of the Labor state government, they announced that the old Roselle goods line would be converted into the light rail and that they would build the missing part of the shared path from Parramatta Road down to Cooks River as part of the light rail works. And the government's going to build the southern section of the bike path. The Greenway would finally be finished. And then there was an election. The old Labor government was tossed out. 
the Libs came in, Tonight's state of renewal, Barry they committed to continuing with the light rail, but they indefinitely deferred the Greenway, which is political speak for it's canned. In September 2011, former New South Wales Premier and then Transport Minister Gladys Berejiklian put the brakes on. So the money rang out, the team was disbanded, and by 2012, <laughs> as a community, we were sitting there thinking, all right, we've just gone down. You know, we've been up here and we're right down here. And this was, this was heartbreaking for the community. Friends of the Greenway member, Jennifer Kent. So we said, all right, we've got people support. What do we do now? So we had a rally, Save the Greenway Rally. The community organised quickly. Art Cycle led bike rallies and people turned out in big numbers at Days of Action. Just remember, people want this light rail, but all of us here want the Greenway just as much. Get it, get Is that right? And get it set in. We need those I even emceed one at Johnson Park in Dulwich Hill. Let's make this happen. And our we started the Greenway petition. And the wonderful thing about living in a democracy like Australia is that if you collect a petition with more than 10,000 names, you can have a debate in Parliament. So we started doing this long campaign to get the number of petitions up. We did every festival. We did every school fair. So that's a lot of support. Even the dogs want the Greenway built. I reckon every dog here must represent at least 20 or 30 dogs who want this Greenway and they sign that petition if they could. If you went to a market, school fate or festival in the inner west in 2012, chances are you met Jennifer. You've got to be roll with it. There are some days, oh, Leichhardt Fiesta, well, that was the toughest. That was the toughest. They weren't interested. They were only interested in the next food thing. It was hard graft. One way that Jennifer and the campaigners kept in people's view, literally, was with a special hat. We used to wear it when we did stores. And it's simply a black cap with beautiful tawny, long pointed nose with little black eyes and beautiful soft ears at either side. The long nose bandicoot had been seen along the Greenway and we were trying to encourage people to look for it. And it was a great visual gimmick. It's great that we're at the point where we've got our 10,000 signatures. It's been a huge effort on the part of everyone to collect these signatures, but in particular... I do so we had the Greenway debate in the State Parliament on the 1st of August 2012, which we lost, but at least we had it. And the public gallery had like 250 kind of community supporters there. The light rail was built without the Greenway. So the councils, who by then had really actually invested quite a lot in this Greenway, thought, well, what are we going to do? How can we keep it going? After 20 years of lobbying and action by the community and councils, some good news. In 2018, the state government committed to finish the Greenway along with Inner West Council. Finally, we'll be able to walk, ride and dance our way from Cooks River to Iron Cove on a single path, uninterrupted. And no surprise, the Greenway was a godsend during lockdown and today gets lots of use and love. 
It's really nice around here, though. You know? It's got, like, a bit of a like, wild vibe on parts of it, and then you come out and you're in the middle of the city. Susan Thompson is a professor of planning at the University of New South Wales. I work at the interface between public health and urban planning, and I bring my university students along the Greenway frequently just to show them what an exemplar this is of biodiversity, environmental sustainability, and all of those pluses for the environment. You walk along and you just kind of sigh as you watch the trees grow and you notice the wildlife. I mean, the wildlife now, we've got Maggie's back, which there weren't Maggie's here 25 years ago. And then, of course, it's a wonderful place for people to meet up. You keep in touch and socially it's a very good idea. To enjoy recreation. It's like a rural getaway, you know. It it makes me think that I'm really not in the city and, and... and I can remain in my sort of 5k radius um, bubble, green bubble. (laughs) Well, in terms of the public health benefits of the Greenway, there's quite a lot. But the most obvious one is that the Greenway provides a place for people to be active, so physically active. To get to the real highlights of the Greenway, you have to get on the bicycle or you have to get on foot. So that gets us out of that having to drive everywhere mindset. I think that's how the Greenway makes me feel. My favourite place is skateboard. We've been at Haberfield basketball courts and that's been great. We've been practising roller skating here. It encourages me to get out and ride my bike. I have aspirations of one day riding my bike into the city. Today, live more of your life. Be in it, yeah. There you go. This modest icon of the inner west is helping our health, Sydney's health, and the health of the whole damn planet. For photos and a map of the Greenway, videos and books, go to the show notes page on the website, innerwesticons.com. Now, if you're a dog owner like me and you're thinking, I just listened to a whole episode about the Greenway and there was nothing about dogs, it's okay. Greenway dog training, cafe bones, puppuccinos, they're all there in bonus episode seven, Dogs of the Inner West. And the next icon? The witches' houses of Annandale. They have turrets and gargoyles and lions and towers. Hit that subscribe button or follow button in your podcast app so you don't miss it. New episodes come out every two weeks. Special thanks for this episode to Robert Minard and Joe Blackman. Inner West Icons is hosted by me, Bernie Hobbs. It's researched, written and produced by Jane Curtis. Sound engineering by John Jacobs. This episode of Inner West Icons was made as part of Greenway Edge 2021, produced by Inner West Council's Living Arts. Special thanks to Victoria Johnston, All Edge Council staff, and everyone who popped into the Greenway Stories stall. <laughs>